Please support the Climate Change and Happiness podcast. See the donate page at climatechangeandhappiness.com. The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Well, hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I am Panu Pikala. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, our podcast. This is a show for people around the globe who are thinking and feeling deeply around climate change and other environmental issues. And it's toward the end of the year, and we're kind of wrapping up a very busy year for both of us. And I know you listeners have had a busy year as well. So, Panu, we've got a few ideas on the table here at this darker time of the year. One of the ideas we talked about was this idea of taking stock, taking stock at the end of the year. Um, Where does that lead you in your in your own in your own life that idea of taking stock thanks thomas uh, also in earlier seasons when the year is starting to end and there is this quite ancient time mm. in in the year when people have been sort of looking back that how has the year been and perhaps tentatively looking forward about what kinds of hopes or dreams or fears about the ne- next year. So this idea of taking stock for me resonates mm. very much with this time of the year, which in the Northern Hemisphere is also a dark time of the year. And in some earlier seasons, we've uh, talked about some writings about this, which have been important for, for us. Right now, we actually have snow in Helsinki, which brings light. So that is a com- comfort. My seasonal affective symptoms have started to uh, grow a bit, but it's been slightly easier this year than other mm. uh, other, other years. And uh, it's the very end of November when we are recording this. So, so there's been some interesting happenings also lately. But how about for you, Thomas, taking stock what resonates with you? Yeah. Yeah, Pano, this is great. And listeners, I want to invite you to use this episode, if you like, as a, as a personal personal stock take um, as well, because this, this episode will be coming out in December of, of 2023, if all, if all goes well. And I think as a, as a therapist, I, I do think it's very healthy for us to take time every once in a while just to stop and to consider our, and to consider our lives. And the end of the year is, is a, a good time for that. To me, in, in terms of my planning, in my life, I, I feel like this time of the year is the the pivot of uh, of the year. This is when we start letting have to start letting go of the current year and getting ready for the new year. And we can't wait until January first for that. We have to. It's a process, and so <laughs> to me, it's a little bit of a grief and loss because I realize all the things that I'm not going to be able to achieve <laughs> this year that I hoped, and I have to take solace in what I was able to do. And really let go, uh, and let go of the year. Let go of, and I tend to think in terms of the years, and and um, but realize also there's a gift waiting, which is a whole new bright, unsullied year uh, waiting for us, and where we can start again and get a fresh start. So, 
that I think that energy is really good for our mental health to 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 have some sort of ritual, uh, some sort of holiday, some sort of marker day, you know. Um, so that's that's kind of even beyond climate or environmental issues. That's just a general mental health thing for myself, um, and then that helps that helps me to get some perspective. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, thanks for sharing that, and uh, it resonates a lot with many many things in in my mind and one is this practice coming actually from some old christian contemplative traditions i'm sure that other religions and worldviews have this also which is like uh, to build a habit to look back at your day uh, at the end of the day mm. so so you know going going through the hey what has actually happened today and how have i felt about that and at the same time sort of calming yourself down in the, in the evening and that's what i sometimes do i'm not as good in that as i would li- like to be but uh, i really see the point and value in that Un- annually i have a habit that on new year's day i write about the uh, year that has has passed mm. And, and nowadays I usually do it in two parts. So one is more general and then one is more work oriented, which for me then means a lot of things related to climate change and, and ecological crisis. So that has become a habit and I've been doing it for 15 years. And it's quite interesting to sometimes then read those texts from earlier years. Uh, one doesn't need to go far back even five years and then I find surprises that hey okay then I felt that that kind of year it was then Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean recently I um not sure what brought it on but I looked back to a thing that I wrote back in 2009 so 14 years ago now which is the beginning of the eco-psychology journal when I was the editor of this new academic journal with this this crazy idea of of eco-psychology mental health and nature, which seemed, you know, a little bit, um, new to people. Now it's much more, um, understandable with climate and environmental things pressing on us. It's much more understandable, but, but, but back then, back then it seemed new. And there was two quotes that I, that I used at the beginning of the article. And I realized they're, they're really good for me to, to, uh, read again in my own work. And the first was a classic quote from Zen. Um, Zen Buddhism, you know, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, and in the expert's mind, there are few, from Shunru Suzuki. So that idea of of beginner's mind, not a new idea, you've all, you know, we've all heard this, but reminding ourselves about that idea. And then the other quote, which is actually quite helpful for me, is uh, from Gary Snyder, the writer and poet and environmentalist, um, find your place on the planet, dig in and take responsibility from there find your place on the planet dig in and take responsibility from there uh and that that that's that's that that's really helpful to me to remind myself i just need to just dig in uh and just be what i'm do what i'm doing and take responsibility for that versus taking on a constantly new projects and new ideas and and um you know loading loading more on my plate and that particular writer in person, Gary Snyder is a great example. If people don't know his work, he's a long established U.S. poet and and writer, but he not only being a poet, he's also been an activist and also worked in politics and in his community. 
and really walked the talk of building a, a home. And so I think that that's inspiring to me. We can talk more in a moment, but I think what happens with our lives and with technology and with climate change is that we're constantly expecting ourselves to take on new things and it doesn't give us time to actually do a thing, do one thing or do one thing well. So we're all constantly pushed into our incompetence all the time, if that makes sense. And thanks for those quotes. I think they both both are, are great. And some of Snyder's writing has been translated also into Finnish. So yeah, I have a paperback by Snyder on my shelf also. And that quote reminds of Wendell Berry, mm-hmm. another American environmentalist who was very yeah. much focusing on land and, you know, having a place and building reciprocal relations with with a place and the, and the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the Zen quotes, that's also very, very in- interesting. Um, on one hand, I've been trying to follow this beginner's mind idea also, and having a lot of natural curiosity is, is something which has le- led me to be re- researcher all, also and keeps, keeps me go- going. Uh, but I also resonate with the fact that Uh, when you end up in certain situations and places, sometimes then you sort of do what you have to do. And in in many many religions and worldviews, there's proverbs related to uh, to the thing that uh, one one may find oneself in situations where uh, if you want to be ethical, uh, there's not so many choices anymore. But sort of you do what you have to do, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean that that quote. I mean, we could spend our whole life uh, reflecting on that quote, uh, the beginner's mind quote, uh, because yes, how would I say this? I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about an art, art performance that I just saw last evening, uh, which exemplified some of this. But you know, it is as when someone's new to an area, they have many, many possibilities uh, because they don't know the area, so they don't make any assumptions, and they they link things together. Um, that might not actually typically fit. And um, there's a benefit of being an expert, obviously, because we have experience and we're not we're not naive and we've learned things. We have to balance both in our life. You know, um, there are a lot of experts on climate change and we have to listen to them because they've been working on this for years. And we, and I'm an expert in some areas, Pano, you're an expert in some areas because we've worked, it, not because we're gifted, but just because we've done it for enough that we've made a lot of mistakes to know certain things that don't work um so beginner's mind is beautiful but it's also it's also naive and it also isn't really doing anything necessarily that's making a change because people are still figuring everything out so we we need to kind of claim our expertise so it's 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 very it's very interesting the neat thing about looking back like with with at the end of the year like with these quotes is that i realize oh, I was a beginner then, and some of the things that I thought or did weren't really correct or didn't actually turn out to be helpful. But some of them actually were right on target. Even when, even as a beginner, I, I was actually right on target, and I was right where I need to, needed to be. But I didn't know it because I didn't have enough perspective to know, if that makes sense. Some artists, writers, the very first things they write are the exactly perfect, but they don't know they're perfect until 10 or 20 years later when they look back. So it's a really interesting 
kind of kind of process. Uh, it, it truly is, and there's lots of very memorable first novels or first al- albums, and mm-hmm. with music sometimes, of course, there may be a long history, uh, and then the best songs from a period of many years are then brought together. But there's also something related to the intuitive way and often passionate way that a person tries to make sense of the world and then that is reflected in the work of art. And sometimes mm-hmm. that freshness is then difficult to replicate when you have expert knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also links with some very practical issues in my mind. Um, uh, one week ago, uh, I hosted a visitor in Finland, Treppe Johnson, the American environmental writer and uh, movement leader, who we are planning to also invite to the podcast and discuss, for example, this radical joy for hard times network and method that she has been developing, which is about encountering wounded places uh, in environment together with others. And so there's lots of so-called ego emotions involved in that kind of process. Mm. So we did a lovely road trip in, in Finnish November and talked about a wide variety of, of, of things. And one was from my side, this idea of Wu Wei, sort of effortless action or way of non-action or sort of don't force things, but sort of do them in according to the situation and the flow type of thing. It's pretty difficult to explain, especially for a Finn speaking English in the in the evening. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, that links with this Zen stuff all, all, also, and uh, it's a philosophy of life, which is not always e- easy. But per- personally, I sort of testify to that very strongly. So you're talking about Wu Wei and uh, Japanese, the Japanese concept, right? Okay, so yeah, we're bringing in the, we're bringing in the, the. It's always helpful to bring in the international level here. Yeah, and so these these. These can sound trite, but it can also be super deep, you know, the idea of being. So, but these are kind of the ideas that are floating around at the end of the year for us. You know, how do we just be in the moment and let things, all things must pass, you know, uh, as uh, George Harrison said, life is continuing to go on. And can we be in the moment, even as we're taking stock? A couple of things about finding your place. I know, Pano, you talked about International Remembrance Day for Lost Species and, and turned me on to this idea, which is actually um, today, um, which is a Remembrance Day that some, I think some some artists have created in the UK uh, this day, where it's, it's, it's a day to, to create rituals to re- remember lost species. And that's a great example of digging in and doing something. It's not going to bring the species back per se, and it's not going to change global politics per se, but it's a concrete action and a project that someone can take on that has, is very meaningful for people. So I would encourage people to look up Lost Species Day, and we'll, we'll put a link to this. It was a new idea for me, but it, it is today, and, it, and it, I want to just honor the people that thought of that and just have been pushing that idea because it's a great creative um, a creative action. Tell me a little more about your Remembrance Day uh, activities. Yes, thanks for uh, asking. Um, uh, I've written about this team day in my Finnish books, but not then one year ago 
I invited a couple of people close to me, colleagues and artists and scholars, and we did a uh, small sort of memorial or ritual then, and now we opened it up a bit more. It wasn't a hugely publicized event still, um, but a bit more this, this year. And it's been one of these things that you sort of try to do it uh, as wisely as you can, but it's also experimentation, you know, what might be a participatory ritual of remembering lost and endangered species in your own context type of thing. Hmm. And in during this road trip with Trebbe, I was uh, encouraging people in various places in Finland to experiment with this, either individually, you know, just lighting a candle and saying out loud some words about re- remembrance, for, for example, or then collectively, and there then embodied methods and art-based methods can be very powerful there. So today we were at this snowy uh, animal graveyard in Helsinki. We have a small graveyard mm-hmm. for animals uh, operated by a environmental conservation and animal protection organization in, in Helsinki. And then did a sort of circle with materials from, from from nature and had a memorial candle. And then we integrated things from this Silentopia performance hmm. uh, where I was acting as an advisor. We might talk about that some sometime more also. Uh, it was a dance and performative arts event, which included uh, reading out names of extinct species. Ninni Perko was the leading director and choreographer in, in that one. So, mm. so today, just with a small group where uh, I had printed names of lost species and then distributed them to people and we read those out loud and had a uh, moment of silence and listened to some suitable music from a portable, portable play, player. After which we connected the names of the species into a board so it then became a sort of memorial board for the species next to a stony memorial uh, for victims of animal testing, which is already present in this animal graveyard. Mm. And then afterwards, you know, some uh, release and works of uh, remembrance and then having having coffee and uh, some light lights next together so there is the sort of collective element and it really frees up energy so it's it's one on one hand sad but also the old truth that when you engage with sadness there's also then more room for uh, for a sort of sort of deep gladness also Hmm. so that in in a nutshell that was what we did today in in Helsinki this kind of small experimental methodology that's beautiful I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't even just call it a methodology that's very academic but you know it's it's a, it's a ritual and a community a community gathering um how many people were uh taking part in this remembrance ceremony today uh, seven a small group so. oh, okay yeah so good on good on you for for doing that because sometimes with a small group we, it's easy to feel insignificant or we don't have enough people um but this is just a great example um People over the years, I know, have done rituals and ceremonies for lost species. Um, the artist Maya Lin has a has a has a famous um, kind of online art project called "What Is Missing" that 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 catalogs uh, extinctions around the world. People in the uh, in the eco psychology world have done um, 
rituals and ceremonies regarding lost species for, for, for many years as well. It's just a great example of digging in and doing and doing your thing. The idea of extinction is not a, a, a pleasant one, but it is, I'm not sure why they picked this particular date for this, but, um, but we need, we do need a date or a holiday for these kinds of, these kinds of things. So it's just a great example of an, of an action. So I saw a neat performance yesterday. It reminds me uh, of this because I, in Portland where I live, I happen to be. I learned about a, an art and music event here, um, which is essentially a con a music concert, but it was a short film, and um, it was quite interesting. the The film's called Invisible Landscapes, and it's done by some uh, Czech and Icelandic artists and filmmakers, and they they're actually sound artists and sound recorders. So it's people that actually make field recordings of natural sounds. And it's hard to explain, but if you if you go to the Invisible Landscapes movie website, uh, which we'll put in the link, you can, you, can, you can see this. But they recorded sounds of glacier lake in Iceland and the melting of the glacier and the bubbling of the, of the water in the glacial lake. And it's a meditative kind of process where they, they listen to the sounds they also recorded sounds of different um, energy um, factories, like uh, places that are doing geothermal energy or like a power plant, and just the sounds of the machines. And they're essentially trying to create this, the sound of our society, the sound of technology, or the, even the sound of climate change. And then the, the musicians go along on the journey, and they listen, and then they create a art and music, um, kind of like a sort of a rock experimental performance based on that. And then there's the film. So it was a whole multimedia production and the, the director, um, I won't pronounce his name properly, but uh, Ivo Bestrician uh, from, from Czech Republic, you know, spoke about his project. And as I felt, I felt really proud for them to be touring around the US and, and sharing this kind of unorthodox project, but it was quite beautiful. And there was other, of course, artists of that style joint joining together for, for me personally in the audience i what i thought was well um this was a, a way for me to let go of holding the space because i often am holding the space about this for other people and i could let let the artist hold the space for me so i could just be present so that was quite nice so that's kind of a thing when you do a, a an event you let someone else hold the space so you can just be present for your own feelings and you don't have to be in charge of things so that was kind of nice the only thing I would add is that as the filmmaker was doing his talk, people started asking the filmmaker these very challenging questions about what we should do as a society. And, you know, you know, he struggled with, with these kind of questions and kind of joked that they were really difficult. But the point was, that's not his job. He's a filmmaker and is really expert at what he does. And we need to kind of try to stay with our expertise and not keep moving out into our incompetence. You know, that's that's the challenge. That's what means about digging in. So anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah, it surely does. And very interesting to hear about this. And I have to check it out also. At least the trailer seems to be on, on online. So we can put something to the show, mm -hmm. show no, notes also. And it's so refreshing sometimes just to be part of the crowd 
Uh, I often, very often when I'm at events, I'm doing something, giving a talk or participating in facilitating a workshop or something. And it, it's so healthy also to just just take take part and music, as we have discussed before. And in the earlier history of this podcast, there's even some playlist episodes where we discuss climate emotion related songs. For, for example, music is important for bo- both of us and it can be very sort of healing and thought-provoking in relation to climate issues. This Silentopia performance, which I mentioned, yeah. uh, featured three very skilled Finnish musicians, one of the leading electric guitar players and a jazz saxophonist and then a singer slash cello player, but they all played like five to ten different instruments during the, the, the performance. So it was also a very interesting combination of movement and music around the central theme of humans and the rest of rest, rest of na- nature type of thing. So that came strongly to my mind when listening to what you said about about music and something which would be nice to do more in the workshops also is to work with sound, just human sound and there's these interesting things for example that if you start so that the group just makes random noises which everybody feels like making, there's often a movement towards a more uniform and harmonious sound and of course a facilitator may also guide that a, a bit and I've just a couple of times been in sessions around eco-emotions where that has been used. Not a lot at all, but it would be nice to experiment more with that. But how about you, Thomas? Is this kind of methodology familiar to you? Well, um, I'm not a musician or a sound person, so that that would be that's new to me, and I can just appreciate it. Um, but you know, again, it's it's different method. It's different methods in my training group for therapists, which will I'll be meeting with later today and yesterday. We 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 talked about taking action for environmental and sustainability um, goals in our lives, you know, our daily, you know, behaviors and things. But we also read uh, some poems um, that spoke to action and being. So it's it, it adding the art component softens and and widens the the realm. It it takes us out of our intellectual kind of linear thinking and gives us. It's a way to bring back that beginner's mind a little bit. But really, if we're going to be an expert, we we need to do these things. That's, I think, a mark of an expert is they use different they use different skills. If you're only doing one linear thing only, that's kind of limited. So I think we have we have to think of what it means to be an expert. So yeah, I think you know we can step back even just in our episode as we're as we're moving toward the end. So our themes, you know, and then for the listener, you can take this in, you know, the theme is end of the year, taking stock, which is kind of a term, I think it probably comes out of business or something or, you know, farming where you actually count up and kind of see what you have. Um, So we're taking stock of our life. And um, now behind the scenes, looming is this COP28 meeting that's happening in uh, Dubai starting this week, which is the big climate meeting. COP28 meeting, 28th session of this um, UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. One thing they're doing is called the Global Stock Take, where they're actually going to kind of count up everything and sort of see how we're doing on climate change. And and you and I and listeners, we all know it's going to be bad, right? <laughs> we know we know it's not going to look good, and we're we're all going to be behind, and countries are going to be behind. 
on all these things. But it is important to do the stock take. It's important to bear witness to that. And, um, and even with the leaked documents that show that, well, surprise, surprise, the, the, they're doing oil fossil fuel business deals at the meeting here and trying to, trying to actually do larger growth of fossil fuel, even in the face of climate change. Um, but still, you know, that, that process is help is helpful and we want to honor all the people that are, are ethically working on that. So there's, there's a lot of stock taking going on right now, I think both in our lives and then around the world. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes, stakes are high. So to, so to speak. Yeah. But not lapsing into hopelessness, you know, and, and staying, staying with our strong goals and, and desires. It's easy to fall into just a, oh, well, we can't do anything and it's going to be, it's going to be terrible. But um, I know a lot of people in Dubai are, are going to be really working on doing the right thing. Um, and I know, unfortunately, Pope Francis won't be able to attend as, as planned, but there are voices around the world that are really holding us to account. Um, so I, I think we have to bravely take stock and then you know, find our place in the world and, and dig in. That's all we can ever do. Um, and I do, I do appreciate artists because that's their expertise is, is opening up these, these different sides and ritualists, you know, that create these, these, um, remembrance days. I mean, it's not an accident that the remember, the remembrance day for lost species is started as an art project, um, because there's a, a certain expertise about art and creativity. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And Pope Francis published a sort of sequel to the Laudato Si environmental document this autumn also. So, mm-hmm. so he's continued to work on environmental and climate issues. Uh, Joseph Siedler, the American thinker who I studied at the time, uh, he defined the tasks of aging as a sort of summing up and letting go but perhaps on a smaller scale that might apply to this taking stock. So summing, summing up and letting go. And you, Thomas, mentioned the idea of letting go already. So this is a bit like the frozen movies now moving from cultural repertoires to another, you know, let it go and then into the unknown. And these are my my, my words at the end of the episode in relation to the new, new year. All right. So, yeah, we'll put the frozen soundtrack in. Uh and we'll let it go. Uh, but we do need to let it go because time is, in our Western conception of time does move forward. And so the, the year is moving on. But we do have um, a new year um, sitting in front of us and we're still alive. And um, so we, we have op- opportunities. Um, well, listeners, I want you to think about, you know, what you want to take stock of um, and honor and be thankful and have gratitude for all the efforts that you've made all through the year and they're all genuine and they're all uh, important and then we can start to think about hope you know our, our highest vision of the possible and lean into that kind of emotion thinking about the new year and what we're going to be focusing on uh it's coming very quickly so it's it's nice to take a breath and to be present consciously let go of the old year and open our open our hands you know for the new year 
Hanu, how's the rest of your um, evening going there? Well, it's been a long, long day. If I had more energy, I would go skiing because it's actually possible to cross-country ski now in Helsinki. But oh, I have to wow. recover a bit, so I'll settle with the sauna. So that's also always, always marvelous. And, uh, and you too must have the group sta- starting soon, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, Panu, I, I'm jealous about the skiing. I look forward to going skiing sometime soon. But yes, you enjoy your sauna. And I'm going to actually... Um, get ready and meet with my therapy group, my therapist group from folks around the world. And we're going to talk about these things. And that makes me always feel good that these people are are doing all this neat work. And so we'll let it go. Um, listeners, thank you so much. This is Climate Change and Happiness. You can find us at climatechangeandhappiness.com. And you can tell people about this podcast. I'm constantly hearing from people that are discovering it and, and realizing it's really helpful to listen to some of these episodes. And um You'll find us more um, into the coming year. So all of us, Hanu and myself and listeners, be well. Be well. The Climate Change and Happiness podcast is a self-funded volunteer effort. Please support us so we can keep bringing you messages of coping and thriving. See the donate page at climatechangeandhappiness.com.